we started last week, Corey started with Psalm chapter 23, verse 1 and 2. And this morning, I'd like to start our sermon by reading uh, the 23rd Psalm together. Uh, there are Bibles on the inside of each row. You can follow along on the YouVersion Bible app. Uh, if you search under the events section, you'll see Restore Church listed. Uh, Restore Church has an app, <clears throat> and if you click on the bulletin, you'll see all of our announcements. You'll see the uh, set list for the Psalm 23 series, and you will, uh, you'll also see some of my sermon notes there. Uh, all scripture will be on the screen, but uh, man, if you're going to follow God's Word and, and dig deep into it. You need a Bible or a tablet or something to look at during the week. Uh, we, we've never done this before. This would be the first time we, we've done this, but would you stand uh, and we can read Psalm 23 together as we read God's word. Uh, this is what it says. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake, and even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup, it overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God, thank you for being a shepherd that leads. God, thank you for being, uh, giving us the promise that one day we will dwell in your house forever. God, until then, we want to worship you. Uh, we want to follow you for your name's sake. I will pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can go ahead and have a seat. Man, I had a great new year. I had a great break. We took the last Sunday of the year off. Uh, to, to get some rest, but really, if I'm 100% honest, I got to tell you, we took that Sunday off so I could stay up all night and watch Clemson beat Ohio State, and all of God's people said amen. <laughs> but it didn't start out that way. Uh, we turned on the game, and I was hopeful. I stood in my position that's three and a half feet away from the television screen with my arms crossed and my feet shoulder-width apart as if I were part of the team. To watch them start losing 16 to nothing within 10 minutes of the game. What is going on? And so I quit. I went into the kitchen and started washing dishes, which is completely out of my character. Uh, not quitting the game. Washing dishes is out of my character. And I was over with the game. I was ready to go to bed. I was ready to get started with the next day. I mean, like I was in the kitchen saying things like, Lord, why do I care so much about sports? They always let me down. I want to be the guy that people come up to and say, did you see the game? And I want to be the guy to reply, man, I don't really do sports. I just like to fish. I do like to fish, but I am too involved in sports. And then wouldn't you know that the Lord had favor on me? And the Clemson Tigers, when they scored 21 straight points, came back to win one of the best college football games I think I'd ever seen. Now, I didn't tell you that story to brag. I mean, I did just a little bit, but I really tell you that story to tell you about the interview on the field after that. I think it's crazy that after the game and all the emotions, they stick a microphone in your face and ask you to talk. But Dabo Sweeney, the coach of Clemson, he's a Christ follower, and he always has something awesome to say. I have a note in my phone that says Dabo Sweeney, and it's just filled with quotes. Well, one of the ones he gave last Saturday after the game, they, they asked him about being down so much. And everyone was like, you're down 16 to nothing that quick. The, the future looks bleak. There's probably no chance, very little chance you have of winning. But they, they scored 14 straight points. They went in halftime down 16, 14, came out, scored another touchdown, 21 straight points, and ended up winning the game on a last-second interception. 
So they stick the microphone in Dabo Sweeney's face. They ask him about how did you have just the tenacity to come back. And this is what he said. He said this. And all, all of you athletes in here, football players, and, and really everyone in the room can, can uh, relate with this quote. Dabo Sweeney said, they can prepare for what we do, but they cannot prepare for who you are. They can prepare for what we do, but they cannot prepare for who you are. And I think everyone can kind of rally around that. Let me say it a different way. Who you are decides who you follow. And who you follow shows whose you are. You hear the difference? Whose you are. Who you are decides who you follow, and who you follow shows who you belong to. In the sports analogy, the players, they knew who they were. I mean, they're, they're Clemson football players. They, they're uh, the ACC champs, right? So they know who they are. And so because they know who they are, they know who to follow, which is their coach. And so once you decide to follow your coach, you can trust him. You can trust his play calls. You can trust, you know, all of these things. And analogy can only go so far, but... But you belong in that sense to him, like he's protecting you with everything, win or lose. So who you are decides who you follow, and who you follow shows whose you are. The same can be said in our relationship with God. And this morning, as we shift our focus uh, off of, of the godly blessed Clemson Tigers and on to Psalm 23, I'd like to take us through, like, we're going to spend the majority of our sermon going a little bit, kicking a little bit old school. Uh, I know this is a novelty idea, but we're going to look at the Bible. Like, we're going to spend time studying it together as a group, and then it will all make sense at the end if you can just stick with me for a couple minutes, okay? Uh, last week... Um, Last week, Corey ended with the very beginning of verse 3. Uh, he restores my soul. The, the Hebrew word for restore really means to revitalize. And, and it can even be translated like this, to reanimate my soul. He guides me along right paths, verse 3 says. For his name's sake. If you're an underliner or a writer in your Bible, if you draw for his name's sake, uh, would be a good place. Verse 4, even though I walk through the darkest valley. Anybody else have a hard time getting over the King James? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Uh, man, I, again, I, I can't give enough credit to, to Corey and the fantastic job he did last week. He showed us a couple of things. Number one, that he's delusional about who has the better beard. Number two, he was right when he said all of our wives are smarter than their husbands. Uh, and number three, that contentment does not, is not defined by your circumstance. Contentment in God is defined that is contentment is found in that God is in your circumstance and that God is the green pasture and that God Himself is our still waters. And contentment in our circumstance doesn't matter if God is with us. Man, that was great. So this morning, as we kind of continue that study, I want to start off with our very first word that we're looking at, and that is the word he. And uh, who is the he? that we're going to look at. It's the Lord, the, the Hebrew Yahweh. He is the shepherd. Now, I know that kind of makes sense, but not, let's not skip over it. Because if the Lord, who is leading, 
is a shepherd, then what does that make David? It makes David the sheep. I mean, sheep, uh, David is a sheep. Shepherds, by nature and by definition, they lead what? Sheep. And if anyone knows about sheep, it's who? It, it's David. I mean, David was a shepherd, and, and right now he's calling himself a sheep, which has significance. You remember when Jesse, uh, uh, Corey alluded to it last week, Jess, uh, Samuel shows up to Jesse's house to try to, um, uh, to try to anoint the next king. They go through all the sons, and then finally he asks Jesse, man, well, where, is, where is the son I'm supposed to anoint? Because he's not in the house. He's like, well, I have one left, and he's out tending to the sheep. David himself was a shepherd, and, and he knew all about sheep. He knew that sheep are in and of themselves defenseless. They cannot defend themselves. He, he knew that sheep are dirty. They, they can't clean themselves. Sheep cannot fend for themselves. They do not have the capacity to provide for themselves. I learned this this past week, uh, that sheep cannot rest naturally. Their environment has to be perfect. There has to be no imminent threat. Their bellies have to be full, and there has to be very little noise for a sheep to be able to rest. Sheep are skittish. They're terrified uh, just by nature. Sheep are naturally tired because of the amount of weight that they have to carry uh, in their wool. I almost called it fur. <laughs> what an idiot. The wool. <laughs> sheep are stubborn. And... They're stupid. Uh, sheep, if there is a cliff nearby and there are a group of sheep and one sheep goes off the cliff, the rest of the sheep will follow them. Man, all it takes is one smart sheep to say, like, <laughs> that was a good joke. I didn't tell that one in the first one, but that one's good. You can tell that one later. <laughs> all of what that means defenseless, dirty, not able to fend, not able to provide, not, not able to, uh, uh, they're always tired, they're always scared, they're stubborn and stupid. All of what that means is that a sheep by itself is completely vulnerable, completely vulnerable to, to itself. It's completely vulnerable to attacks and, and eventually will die. And so without a capable shepherd, one who is able and willing to provide, to protect, and to care for the sheep, all sheep are doomed. And this morning, you may be, uh, you may be the defenseless sheep. You, you may be here this morning saying, it, it doesn't matter what I do. It always, whatever. It doesn't matter what I do. It you may be the dirty one, saying, I'll never be that. I'll never be able. You may be the sick one, saying things like, I'll never be capable. I'll never be able to be pregnant. You may be, uh, be the one who's not able to provide for yourself, saying, man, I've applied for so many jobs and no one's called me back. I've sat in so many interviews, but, but nothing. You, you may be the one without rest. Hey, I want to put myself into this category. You may be the one without rest saying, I can't do this anymore. Or saying, man, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. I'm just tired. You've heard people say, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And that might be you. So what do you do then? 
Like, what do you do when, when the green pastures aren't green anymore and the waters aren't so quiet and still? I mean, Brianna read the passage, right, that says, um, and God seeks the good for all of those who love him, except for me. What happens then? We've learned one thing about the he. The he, that's important. The he is the shepherd. It's the Lord that's the shepherd in verse 1. What else do we learn about the, the he? Well, we learn a second thing. That he is leading us on right paths. Now, for a sheep, now remember, sheep are not deep thinkers. Uh, despite all the mattress commercials you might see, they're not deep thinkers. For, for a sheep, all they need to know is that their shepherd is leading them in the right direction. But a sheep doesn't know where the right direction is. They're just following. So for a sheep, where's the right direction? It's wherever the shepherd is. It's wherever the shepherd is. And just like we learned last week, our shepherd is the green pasture. Our shepherd is the quiet waters. It's it's Yahweh God, the good shepherd, who revitalizes, reanimates our soul. And so wherever the shepherd is, is where the sheep want to be. Those are the right paths. So we learn that he leads. We learn that he leads us on right paths. And what else do we learn about the he? I mean, if we're just right here in the Bible study, that we learn that he leads for what? For his name's sake. I mean, that can kind of summarize all of scripture, right? It, it, God is the main character. And so uh, he leads them along right paths for his name's sake. Um, your reputation is built on your character, but, but it can also be explained by your resume. It, it can also be explained by your coworkers or, or your, uh, your superior and so if you were to apply for a new job or go for a promotion, you have plenty of people who, who can defend your reputation, your namesake. For a shepherd, they don't have much. I mean, sheep can't talk, and even if they could, they're not very smart. Sheep, uh, shepherds work alone, so they don't have co-workers. For a shepherd, his reputation is built on this, the well-being of his sheep. Now that... A shepherd will lay ever a good shepherd will lay everything down uh, for his sheep. He he will defend. I mean, David tells us. Uh, David says that he he fin, uh, he killed a bear and a lion to protect his sheep. I mean, I don't know what it's like to fight a lion. I've tried to put a diaper on a eighteen month old. I bet that's probably close. Um, that seems like a wrestling match. I, I my kids are much older, but I'm pretty sure I walked away with injuries a couple of times. I'm sure that David has the scars to prove it, but as a shepherd, a good shepherd, his reputation is built on the care of his sheep. So what do we learn about this he? We learn that he's a shepherd, a leader, and that he leads us on right paths. And thirdly, that he cares for his sheep. I got to tell you, when, when things are going well, it's easy to follow the shepherd on paths of righteousness. It's easy to follow Christ when it's easy. I mean, when there's no conflict between your beliefs and work. 
It's easy to follow Christ on paths of righteousness. When there's no questions of morals and greed in the office, it's easy to follow Christ. When there's no temptation for sexual immorality, it's easy to choose paths of righteousness. Paths of righteousness are easy to follow until they're not. Until all of a sudden you find yourself in a, in a valley. A valley that feels like the shadow of death. Remember this, that who you are determines who you follow. And who you follow shows whose you are. What happens when the pastures aren't green anymore? And when the water isn't still? The next verse, verse 4, begins with this, even though. I mean, there's this assumption that, that valleys are coming. If you live long enough, you will experience a valley. You will go through a valley. The word for shadow of death, it's one word in Hebrew. I want to teach it to you. I'm not a Hebrew expert. I'm not a Hebrew expert in Greek or English for that matter. But I want to explain to you one word that in my study I found. It's one word for shadow of death. It's used all throughout the Old Testament. And the word is pronounced salmawet. Salmawet. You can say it with me. One, two, three. Salmawet. It means a shadow of death. It's translated in other places, the darkest gloom or blackness or deep shadows. Job uses the word. In chapter 3, verse 5, once everything is taken from him, his family is taken from him, his future is taken from him, all of his finances are gone, he says, may Salouette claim my life. May darkness fill me. I'm done living. May it be over. There is a shadow of death over my life. Jeremiah, who's known as the weeping prophet, a lot of people say he was depressed for most of his ministry. He refers to the Egyptians uh, in his writing. When they come out of Egypt and, and they're stopped at the bank of the Red Sea, and they complain that Moses brought them into the wilderness to die, and he, and he says that a shadow of death, a, a salmouette overcame them. The assumption is that the defenselessness is overwhelming. That the pain of what has been done to you will never, there, there is never going to be any relief for your salmouette. The wreckage of your marriage, it just feels like you'll never be able to love again. Or, or even worse, it feels like no one could ever love you again. The devastating loss in your life means you may, you may not be able to find what true living looks like again. Sometimes following the paths of righteousness may lead us into what feels like valleys of the shadow of death. And maybe you're living your salmouette right now. Maybe you're right in the middle of the valley. Or maybe you just came out of one. Or quite possibly there's one on the horizon and you don't know that that's usually how they come. So if you've stuck with me so far, through this study of verse 3 and 4. This is where it all pays off. Are you ready? Um, it's, it's here that we, we can really like put a couple of huge things together. So verse 4, why is it that David is refusing to fear? 
Can you look at the, can you look at the text together, the, the Bible? He says in verse 4, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? Because my circumstances are good. Uh, because I named it and I claimed it. And in the name of Jesus, it will be better. Uh, be, because, because someone said it would be. No, no, no. Why does David not fear? He says, because you are with me. Because the one who leads, the one who leads on right paths, the one who cares for his sheep, the one who uses the rod and the staff for protection and defense is with him. And for David, he will not fear because, and that gives him comfort because he is with him. Let, let's, let's get a little bit deeper in this study and say this. Uh, I want you to notice one more thing. There's a couple English teachers in the room. Any college professors, this is going to drive you crazy. Did you notice the shift in pronouns? In verse 3, the shepherd is the pronoun for God, or the shepherd is what? It's he. It, it's, it's him. It's this third person that we're talking about. But then it shifts in verse 4 to second person, to you. Now, if I'm going to talk about you, it'll be good, I promise. If I I talk about you, it's because you're not here. Or because you're really cool and want us to talk about you in the third person. But if I'm talking about you, it's because you're far off. You're not here. You're in the other room. You're, uh, I don't know, out of town. But if I'm talking to you, it means what? You're here. And you're with me. And so it's significant that if you're looking at verse 4, the pronouns shift from from he, third person far off, to you, second person, right there. Now, keep following with me. Does the characteristics of the he change? No. If I'm talking about you and you're far off and then you come close and I start talking to you, have you changed? No, no, no. No, you haven't. So the shepherd has stayed the same. Now, when does the he change? change to you. In the valley, it changes. If the characteristics of the shepherd hasn't changed, when does David get to know the shepherd? It's in the valley. When pastures are green, we eat. When the waters are still, we drink. When our soul is refreshed, we rest. But what about when the salmouette is all around us? Let's put, uh, let's notice one more thing. It's then that what? You are with me. The he becomes the you and the you is with us. So what does all this mean? It's great. It was fun. You talked loud. You're kind of funny. What does this mean for us? Man, it's so significant. It means this. That we have a shepherd who is good. That he leads us on paths of right living, paths of righteousness, and that he cares for us. And even in the Salmouette, that he is with us. And he draws closer to us in the Salmouette. And he never stops leading you, and he never leaves you. Look, God doesn't sit back at the beginning of the valley and says, hey, you go through it, and I'll be here waiting for you. Neither does he go to the other side and say, you know, when you're finished with this dark part of your life, then I'll start to lead you again. Then you can be my sheep. He doesn't hover over the valley as some like sick kid with an anthill and a magnifying glass. 
Like, he's in the valley with us, and he's leading us through it. Can I flip this upside down for a minute? And there are times when the sheep try to take over. You know, sheep try to lead themselves. They try to find their own green pastures. They try to find their own waters. And if that's the case, the sheep has lost a leader. It doesn't have a leader that can lead them to the right paths, but instead they find their own path. Where would that lead the sheep? Where does it lead us when we try? It leads us right into valleys. Valleys that we ourselves can't get out of. Uh, I, I wrestled with this all week. Uh, I think last sermon, uh, last service, I, I decided to share this. Um, a part of it is to just get information out. A part of it is to tear down some stigmas. Um, I, I'll tell you where um, this leads you. It leads you to be tired as a person. It leads you to, to not uh, being who you, who you are, like yourself. It, it leads you to, to not loving and leading the way that God has led you to. And I just want to tell you, for the last nine months, uh, Roger has kind of tried to find his own valleys. Now, I haven't done anything like crazy. I'm not trying to make a confession. I'm not getting fired like, or anything like that. But here's what it has led me to. It's, it's led me to be very tired. As, as a person and in my heart, it's, it's led me to like not thinking about people the way that God created me to. In, in, in the last nine months, uh, man, it's been a really tough time for me personally, which led me to about three months ago seeing across from my therapist who said, Roger, you, you're severely depressed and you're not getting better. And I got to tell you, if you came to me and said, Roger, I'm not myself, and I'm not treating people the right way, and... and and I'm not in my right head, man. I'm tired all the time. You know what I tell you? Hey, you need to talk to someone. I'll pray with you, but this is the end of my abilities. You, you need to see a counselor. And then when you did, you'd come back and say, hey, Roger, I went to see a counselor. You know what I'd say? That is awesome because that's what you're supposed to do. Then you come back and say, hey, they told me I'm depressed. And then I would say, look, there's nothing wrong with you. You just have like, it's just like being sick. It's like having a cold, right? It's just a chemical imbalance. And and you'll be fine. You're in the right hands. And then the next time we meet, you say, hey, Roger, uh, they told me I need to take medicine. And I would say, that's awesome. That, that's great. And you should do that. Y'all, it rocked me. Because that just doesn't happen. Like, that should not happen to pastors. And, man, I was already in a valley, and it just kind of sunk me deeper. This was right at the beginning of life groups last semester. Last semester, life groups, my life group, went through Psalm 23. And it was in that study that I found that, that I, before that study, y'all, I, I, I want to be 100% honest with you. Before that study, I was asking God, are, are you punishing me? Are you even watching what's happening? Like, <laughs> I, I'm not enjoying this church planting thing like I once did. Can you help me out here? And I just felt like God was watching like, no, nah, you're good. You'll be, uh, you'll be fine. Maybe you won't, but we'll see. Just pray a little bit more. You'll be better. Also, if you're depressed and someone tells you to pray more, I'm giving you spiritual permission to punch them in the neck. <laughs> I mean, you should pray more, but that's not. Okay, yeah. And hard. Punch them hard. So what happens? You're in the Salmouet, and, and you can't get out. You're in the valley, and, 
And sometimes you don't want to get out. You've lost someone that you shouldn't have. Your, your spouse gives you the papers. Your, your children don't respect you anymore. Or, or the news that came that from the doctor you didn't expect. I want to give you a couple things to do when the salmouette hits. They're simple. Look to the leader. And the leader can't be the sheep. It can't be you. The leader is a good shepherd who leads you in right paths and cares for you. Here's the second thing. Look, don't give up on righteousness. And the salmouette is when it's the easiest to give in to temptation. Don't give up on the righteous paths where God is leading you. And here's the third thing. Don't forget the shepherd. In John chapter 10, Jesus says this. Very truly, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me, they're thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved, and they will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come so that you may have life and have it to the fullest. Jesus says this in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Let's pray. Um, God, I, I want to I thank you for not letting us go through the valleys alone. God, for, for being there with us so that fear doesn't eclipse us in a valley of shadow of death. God, God I thank you that they've taken the shame of it away the guilt of it away, but, but instead we get to look to you as our leader, and God, that we belong to you. So forgive us, Lord, when we try to create our own green pastures. Forgive us, God, when we try to find contentment in circumstances and, and comfort from, from other things other than just being with you. God, we look forward to the day where we get to dwell in your house forever. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.